I want to share with you this morning two surprises uh, that Easter gives us. Two surprises that Easter gives us. Now, we all know what a surprise is, right? It's how we, we expected something to, do, to turn out one way, and it turned out a different way. Well, I had a great surprise just a few weeks ago. Uh, our youngest son is in college in Texas, and he was coming home for spring break, and he and his friend were going to leave um, after church on, su- on a Sunday morning and come home late Sunday night. You know, it's like a 10-hour drive. And so I just called him on my way into the, into the room here with you uh, on that Sunday morning, just before church. I just said, hey, I was just checking to see if they had left yet, you know. I said, hey, have you guys left? And I could hear people talking behind them. So I thought, yeah, they're still, you know, hanging out at church, just kind of talking to people. And I'm sure they'll leave. And they go, no, we haven't left, you know. We're about to leave. Okay, well, you be safe. And hung the phone up, didn't think anything about it. And I walked in this door, and I looked on the front row, and he was sitting right there. <laughs> and I said, you stinker, how did you, how did you pull that off? And he said, we drove all night. And I said, oh my goodness. So he picked his friend up from, you know, he worked the late shift, got off at 11. They drove all night, hit a shower and came to church. And I just couldn't put my arms deeply enough around him just to hug him. It was so good to have him home. But that was a, it was an amazing surprise. We all know what that feels like. But we also have surprises in our life, you know, that aren't good, right? Sometimes we're surprised by things that are, that are painful, that same son of mine, when he was five years old, we thought he had a cold. We took him to the doctor, and the doctor said, you need to take him to the emergency room. He's very sick. He has type 1 diabetes. And we had no history with that, no warning. I had only heard of it. I didn't know what it was. My wife didn't know what it was. And um, I can't tell you how much pain has been unleashed in our family from that one little surprise. No warning, you know, no real symptoms that we knew of, but it just, it just shocked us and overwhelmed us. Have you ever, have you ever been disappointed? I mean, I mean, like, I'm talking about like heartbroken, like you expected something to turn out one way and, and it went a whole different direction. You know, when we have the deepest pains in life, they always submerge these questions for us. And almost all those questions begin with the same word, why? Why did this happen? We look at the school shooting in Nashville a few weeks ago, and we see these people whose life was taken. And I can't imagine how the parents feel, how the loved ones feel, whose spouse they lost in that tragedy. And you just look at things like that and you say, why? I don't know if you've been following. We've had a a giant outbreak of tornadoes, particularly in the south. And uh, 60 people have died already this year from tornadoes. And you just think, you know, it, it creates this idea inside of us. Why? This question. And it's the loss of the most precious thing we have, human life. And these surprising tragedies fill us with, you know, this incomplete feeling. Like, how, how could this be? Now, fortunately, you know, most of us don't experience pain quite that surprising, quite on that level. But we, but we all have some kind of pain. You know, for you, maybe it was a surprising job loss. Maybe it was an unexpected divorce. Most of us know someone that we lost uh, in COVID, 
And uh, those losses we just carry with us. And you think, you know, what a, what a waste. What a waste of life to have a pandemic and people, innocent people just taken away from us, oftentimes too early. You know, they had a lot of life left to live, but it's been taken. Uh, maybe, you're a, um, maybe you're a person who has a special needs uh, family member, a child or a loved one. And on one hand, you, you, know, you feel so conflicted because on one hand, you celebrate the blessing that they are, but on the other hand, you grieve the limitations that they experience. And you say, you know, why, why do things have to be this way? And there are some battles that are so hard to navigate because they're so constant. And as you walk around in life and you look at other people, they seem to be able to fully engage in an event or a moment and really get all the juice out of it. But you're always conflicted because your, your mind's always trying to figure out how am I going to work this out and how am I going to prepare for this complication? You know, because your life is somehow complicated. Let me tell you one of the things that I've learned, okay? People may know your story, but they don't know your pain. And until they know your pain, they don't really know your story. Because it's one thing to know the facts. It's another thing to feel the emotions. It's a completely different experience. Jesus' disciples knew a lot about painful surprises. You didn't have to convince them of his power. They saw his power. They saw him, you know, open blind people's eyes and they could see and heal deaf people and cripple people. He would, he would lift them up and they would walk again. I mean, he multiplied food from a little kid's lunch that made, you know, fed 5,000 people. You didn't have to convince them of his power, but because they saw all of these actions of power, they made assumptions about the future. Isn't that what you and I do? We're surrounded by millions of images of how life is supposed to be. And then when it doesn't turn out that way, we make assumptions based on those images about how life should be. And then when it doesn't turn out that way, it breaks us. Like it hurts us. It, it, hurt, it hurts deeply inside. Well, the disciples made assumptions about Jesus. They knew he was a man of supernatural power like no one they had ever met or heard of. And their assumption was he's unstoppable. Their assumption was because the Romans had taken over Israel and they controlled the whole nation. And so every, every Jew, every Israelite, the dream of their heart is that our nation will be free again. Can you imagine if America suddenly fell under the occupation of another country? There would be no way we could ever feel at peace and at rest until we got our country back. Well, that's how they felt. And they saw this Messiah walk in, this miracle worker walk in, and they said, finally, he's here. We're getting our country back. He's going to gather a crowd. He's going to gather a mob. He's going to kick Rome out of here. And they just had these pictures in their mind of growing old with Jesus. And of him doing these miracles and setting up this, you know, control and Israel regaining its glory again. And here's the crazy thing. He was arrested. He was tried. He was tortured. And then he died. That wasn't in the script. That wasn't in the story. And so Easter surprises us with Jesus' death. It's impossible for you and I to really understand how the disciples felt. Look, we know the story, right? But do we really know their pain? 
It's impossible for any of us sitting here today to actually know what they went through. They, they ran and they hid and they were shocked and they were traumatized. We see it in the apostle Peter's life probably most clearly. When, when Jesus had been captured and arrested, tried, and was being tortured, man, the apostle Peter, things started to turn dark. And he went, this is not the direction. I mean, I've followed this man for three years. This isn't the direction that I thought we were going. And he began, he began to back up and have all these doubts and questions. And actually, he completely turned his back on Jesus. And, and when he was questioned about him, he even denied that he ever knew him. By the way, he did this in public, which is like the same thing as us taking an oath on a, on a jury stand today, uh, testifying. It's the same kind of cultural legal binding in that day for you to publicly proclaim, I don't know someone, that's a binding testimony. And so in Mark 14, 71, he says he began to call down curses. This is the apostle Peter. And he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Jesus' death broke the disciples. It wrecked them, it broke them, it shocked them, it surprised them. You know why? Because they only knew half the story. They only knew half the story. Don't you and I want to know the whole story? Don't you think that the parent sitting in Nashville today whose child was killed in an elementary school just wishes more than anything else that there was some curtain somewhere you could pull back and look behind to see what's going on and say, oh, that's the whole story. Don't you ever watch the news or media or see something and you go, is that really what happened? <laughs> is that the whole story? You ever get the feeling, you know, we live in this life and we don't, we don't really know the whole story. We want to understand and we want all our questions answered. Look, for, for 18 years, I've not had one year of my life without grief or crisis or trauma. In many of those years, I had all three. And this morning, my wife is shut in a nursing home suffering from a degenerative disease. She can't feed herself, she can't move on her own, and, I, and all I can do is watch her fade away. And I'm telling you, I've asked God the question so many times, God, why? And I still don't know the answer. I don't have the answer, I wish I knew the answer, I wish there was a curtain somewhere I could pull back and just see through. And every now and then, you know, a, a, a person who wants to encourage me, a well-meaning person will say to me, you know, God's using all this to prepare you. And I think, how much preparation do I need? I got an idea. How about God prepares you for a little while and gives me a break? Wouldn't that be great? Right? But we crave understanding. We crave it so badly that we will force answers into the blanks of life, even when they don't fit. And we say things like, things will work out the way they're supposed to. Will they? Is that how it works? You'll never be given more than you can handle. Really? Then why do people fall apart? Everything happens for a reason. I hope not. Because there are some things that ought not to happen. Right? I mean, we know this, but we, we tell ourselves these false truths and we try to comfort ourselves. And some of us even spend our entire lives searching for answers to questions that we'll never find. And most of them start with why. 
Because look, there's some questions there are no answers to. And you know why? Because like the disciples, we know half the story. How many of you are glad that there's two parts to this story? <laughs> Easter surprises us with Jesus' death, but listen to this. Easter surprises us with Jesus' resurrection. So there's this, uh, there are these theories about how all this happened, you know. Like, like maybe um, the disciples planned all this. I mean, if you're not going to believe Jesus came back from the dead, you've got to come up with something else. And so some people say, well, um, the disciples knew this was all going to happen, and you know, maybe Jesus' death shocked them, but they went and grabbed the body and hid it. For 2,000 years? I mean, that's a good, that's a good deal. Uh, we need to hire them to hide some other things, you know. You could hide a body that long. But so some people say they hid his body, you know, they, they staged this, this was kind of a, it was a trick, uh, it was their way to make all this fit. I don't think there's a serious historian in the world. You'd have a hard time finding one that would agree with that. N.T. Wright, who's one of our best theologians, said this, no one would have ever thought up the resurrection because nobody believed such a thing was possible. In other words, what he's saying is, if the disciples were really going to pull a trick, they wouldn't have pulled that one because nobody had ever thought of it. It wasn't believable. It'd be like, um, let's say you have a high schooler who didn't get their homework done and they're trying to think up a way to trick their teacher into believing it's not their fault. So what would you say? I know, let me see. I know what I'm going to tell my teacher. I'm going to tell my teacher that an alien stole it. Well, nobody would say that. Why? Because it's unbelievable. The disciples would never make up this idea about a resurrection. What are you talking about? It's unbelievable. And furthermore, the question is, the disciples couldn't have faked Jesus' resurrection because they believed it so deeply themselves. Do you know after Jesus' resurrection, they took the message of Jesus to Russia and North Africa and Asia and India and Turkey and Greece and all but one of them died for their faith? They died a, a martyr's death. Let me just explain to you what that looked like for them. One was beheaded. One was crucified upside down. One was speared to death. One was stabbed. One was stoned. It didn't kill him. So then they clubbed him to death. And then one was burned to death. Now, why would somebody go through that for something they made up? That doesn't seem right, does it? No, no, no. They believed it. Easter surprises us because it's the most shocking event in world history. Jesus came back from the dead. And resurrection absolutely changes everything. Listen, there's only one reason. If you, if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. There's only one reason that you and I should ever, ever follow Jesus. It's not because it's easy. It's not because you'll have all your questions answered because you might not have all your questions answered. There's only one reason. It's because Jesus is the only person in world history to have predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. He's the only one. And so I plan to follow him with all my life 
because he's the only person that ever did anything like that in the whole world. And by the way, Easter surprises are still happening today. Look, if Jesus came back from the dead, do you understand the implications of that? That means he's alive. If he's alive, that means he's here. That means he's present. We don't see him in the same way. He's invisible, but if he's alive, he's still working in the world today. I want to tell you about um, some of the work that he did in a person's life. There's a man named Tommy who grew up in a, a large, poor family in Alabama, in rural Alabama. And um, his way out of those circumstances was education. And so his family believed in God, but they really didn't have a relationship with God. They really didn't follow God or go to church. But Tommy saw a way out, and it was education. And as it turns out, he was really good at it. So he started to get more education. He eventually became a college professor. He added degrees to his resume. And um, he always intended to, you know, get his life right with God. But he just kept putting it off. He always meant to. He just didn't get around to it. And then as he got closer to retirement, he began to look around at his life and see, see, I'm, I'm going to retire. I'm not going to have my career anymore. My life's changing. And he began to feel empty. And he began to realize so much of what he had given his life to, although it was his way out, didn't really do anything inside him. And so he started to think about God again. He started to think about this idea of who God is and what it means that there's a God. And last year, he came to one of our services. He just showed up on a Sunday to a worship service. And as the music started and the worship team started to sing, he began to get very emotional and, and he began to be overwhelmed to the point that he said something was going on inside me, but I didn't know what it was. So he left. He went home. He left the service. He, he, he just didn't know how to process that. The next Sunday, he came back. And on that next Sunday, he gave his life to Jesus. And in his words, it changed everything. Now, he's not a perfect man today, but you know what? His life's been changed, and the answers to the questions inside his heart about is there a God, and is he real, and what does it mean, they've been answered, and I can't tell you every time I see him, he's a man that's flowing over, flowing over with joy and flowing over with peace. You know why? Because God still does surprises today. So maybe, maybe you came today with no real thought about, you know, God. Maybe you came today just sort of um, because it's Easter. Maybe someone invited you and you haven't given God a lot of thought. I want to ask you today um, to take a few minutes and to do that. Our worship team's coming in just a minute. And as they're coming back um, to lead us in this last song, I just want to encourage you to, to give some thought about what your relationship with God is and what it could be. 
this is a moment that we've, you know, prayed about and asked God to help us all with. So would you just stand with me and our folks that are online with us, our prayer team is there with you and they're going to be available to pray with you at any point throughout the service. And we want you to ask the same question. Where's my relationship with God at? Where am I? So as our worship team leads, it's a short song. It's only going to be three minutes. But in these three minutes, I want to ask you just to think about where you are with God and what God might be saying to you. Would you just close your eyes for a minute and let's pray together. Lord, I, I thank you today that you're alive and we know that that's true because we see it in Scripture. But Lord, since it's true, we know that you're here right now and you're moving and you're talking and you're sharing. And so Lord, I pray in these next few minutes you would just draw us close to yourself. Open our hearts and our minds to the miracle of the living hope of Jesus.